Hey folks, Austin here. We had a little bit of technical difficulties with Jekka's audio. Unfortunately, we lost the first like 15, 20 minutes, whatever, of her audio. So uh, if things sound a little weird, we apologize. But she jumps in around the 27, 28 minute mark. On top of that, what in the world? The Spider, the official Spider-Man No Way uh, Home trailer got released like 20 minutes after the show. So don't worry, we are definitely talking that next podcast. And welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is the state of the future, a.k.a. where's my flying car, dang it. I'm your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda. Hey. The wild, yet elusive Jekka. The rambunctious Bob. Hello. And burn, Brady Burn. Hello. That's my tagline. <laughs> hey, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, we're going to be talking all sorts of cool science and technology that will allow us to live in a sci fi world, aka, where's our flying cars and all and robots and, and all that stuff, plus a whole lot more to include the first trailer. For Spider-Man, No Way Home has leaked online. Amazon has released the first images from their Wheel of Time TV series. Carl Weathers says The Mandalorian Season 3 will start filming soon and a whole lot more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say. Plus 10 nerd XP to you. We love you guys. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you do can start earning Nerd XP. But in the meantime, Brady, dude, I'm in the middle of reading that. And then you put that weird thing on your face and you almost made me start laughing right in the middle of all that. Go ahead. Ask me. Ask me. What was that? No, you're supposed to say what's nerdy with you. Okay. And it's this. What is so I bought okay, so one of my hobbies, a couple of my hobbies involve um electronics, right? Uh-huh. And fooling with my Raspberry Pis and Arduinos and stuff. And another is we play a tabletop game called uh Gaslands, where okay. you have to customize you don't have to, but you can customize and paint and detail uh, Hot Wheels cars. Oh yes, yes, yes. So yes. I bought this is a Carson Pro Magnavisor Deluxe LED Lighted Head Visor Magnifier. So basically, it's like uh, a headband with magnifying glasses that go over your eyeballs. And it's beautiful. It even has. And it makes like you a, look funny. <laughs> it even has like a little light and it has Headlamp. different attaches attachments for different magnification levels, anywhere from 2X to 4X, I think. Nice. But um, I'm just going to. The, ne- the rest of the podcast, I'm just going to, oh, since we're on word, camera with dude. one another, what just put the... it in front of my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, it makes you look weird and funny. Weirder. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I got one of those too. <laughs> They're fun. They're fun. But anyway, that's that's what's nerdy with me. Bob, what's nerdy with you, man? 
I just finished up reading uh, Darker Shade of Magic by Victoria E. Schwab. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a fantasy book. Um, kinda. I mean, it is fantasy, but it does have some steampunk elements to it. Almost really, really good. Interesting magic system. Um, and, uh, interesting world building. I was, uh, the the entire premise is that there's four different Londons that are named London coincidentally, hmm. and they're all in different worlds. Uh, Grey London, Red London, White London, and Black London. Uh, and it all centers around moving be- this uh, guy who can move between these Londons and his uh, sidekick thief person who just happens to attach herself to him. So... In any case, I absolutely love the book. It was uh, it wasn't deep. It wasn't like Wheel of Time or Foundation, but it was uh, it it was good. It was good enough that I enjoyed every second of it. Huh. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And it, it, and and um, and how would how would you compare it to uh, uh, the what was it? The shadow, the shadow of, of what, what was lost. lost. <laughs> it was out. quite a bit shorter than the shadow of what was lost. It got to the point quite a bit faster. Um, I did like the shadow of what was lost, but in a different way. I liked it more like I like uh, Robert Jordan's work or George R. R. Martin's work, where Victoria Schwab felt more along the pacing of, say... I hate to compare it, but uh, Douglas Adams, you know, that kind of pacing, mm-hmm. like bam, 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 bam. Yeah. You, you got the story out. Everything's fine and dandy. So <laughs> not the same so, so going along with Bob's um, what's nerdy with him, I, um, I happen to have get a great find at the library. Nice. I found the hardcover of The Shadow of What Was Lost for 25 oh, cents. Oh my God. Really? <laughs> Do you have the jacket? Do you Pris- have the jacket? Yeah, let me sh- I'll show you on the video, but it's pristine condition. You can't you can't walk away from the microphone while talking to Bob. Sorry, Bob. Yes. Pristine congi- condition. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> you got that for 25 cents? I got I got the um I got the hardcover from my mom, a first edition, but I'm missing the, uh, I'm missing the jacket. Yeah. So this has the jacket, beautiful condition for a quarter. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, yes. there you go. All right, we got a whole lot to cover, so we're hitting that nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. Ooh. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, the first trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home has leaked online. That's right, a low-resolution clip of what appears to contain major spoilers for the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer is believed to have made its way onto social media. Uh, Well, as Sony has been quick to... uh, squash leaks it hasn't stopped those from who have watched the clip from posting spoilers online the film itself alongside a number of actors rumored to be appearing in spider-man no way home has since been trending on twitter meaning that it might be worth 
setting up some advanced muting options that the platform has to offer if you want to stay away from this entirely. Uh, Despite there being no official release date for the trailer, Marvel star Tom Holland recently posted a cryptic story update on his Instagram account that simply says, quote, you ain't ready, end quote, which could, you know, be a lot of different things. But, you know, it's probably a little, you know, a little fun to, at the fans of the franchise uh, because the official trailer hasn't come out. Uh, but this, this, in my opinion, is absolutely 100% the official trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. There's a lot of interactions with actors that we have not seen before. Tom Holland interacting with uh, Doctor Strange and all that stuff. So we are going to play the audio from this. And the audio is pretty hard to hear because it is um, basically somebody recording the trailer off of another phone that has the trailer on their phone. But a link to this is in the podcast show notes. So if uh, Marvel hasn't, uh, you know, killed it already, you can go and watch it. If not, we've got the audio right here. So let's take a listen to that and uh, talk about it afterwards. Whole lot of fun. Idiot. Hold on. Don't start it. Don't start fucking idiot. Shot you. You can record his recording. Yeah. Don't know. That's not how the spell works. MJ's gonna forget about everything we've ever been to. Stop. 
So, Bob. I am super excited. At the very end, that Doc Ock appearance, huh, guys? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we just listened to that whole trailer through, like, a fast food ordering speaker. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I feel like I so, just pulled up to Rosa's or uh, or uh, McDonald's or something. But we... But we, but from that trailer, we do get a really good idea about what the story could be. A- everything revolves around the fact that people know who Spider-Man is. And it seems, correct me if you guys got a different opinion on this, but it seems that, um, you know, Peter goes to Stephen Strange, Dr. Strange, and asks if, if he can do a spell to basically turn things back to the way they were. And people don't, you know, people forget that he's Spider-Man. And I, and I think that is indeed what, you know, Doctor Strange does. And somehow, some way that influences multiverse stuff. And that's where Doc Ock shows up at the end. I don't know. Did you guys catch that? Is that how you got it? I didn't really get a whole lot from it at all. I oh, could really? barely see anything. But all I could tell was uh, Peter wanting to get out of everybody knowing who he was. And then there's Doc Ock. So there's going to be some shenanigans there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It will be a lot of fun. Amanda. What do you want me to say? I could barely see it. I could oh. barely hear it. Oh, maybe if Austin moved over a little. You yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I want to see the trailer when it comes out because I think I'll get more out of it. Oh, we just lost Jekka. She's, she's going to begin back on. So if there's a little technical difficulty. We apologize. Moving on, though, Marvel has released an epic trailer for Eternals, giving us our best look yet at the film. Uh, It offers up some extremely cool footage. It also explains a few questions that fans might have about the story and why the characters are jumping into action now after the events of Avengers Endgame. Uh, Offers an exciting look. Uh, The story follows a group of heroes from beyond the stars who had protected the earth since the dawn of man, when monsters called the deviants long thought lost to history, mysteriously return, the eternals are forced to reunite in order to defend humanity. Once again, uh, the film hits theaters on November 5th. So let's take a listen to the trailer and talk about it afterwards. Here we go. Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. How long do we have? Seven days. We're Eternals. We came here 7,000 years ago to protect humans from the deviants. 
Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos? Or any war, all the other terrible things throughout history. We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? We need to find the others. I haven't seen some of them for centuries. Hi. Hello. This is what the end of the world looks like. At least we have front row seats. You know what's never saved the planet? Your sarcasm. We have loved these people since the day we arrived. When you love something, you protect it. The table part, that is absolutely one of my favorite parts of the trailer. <laughs> when he just assumes the table is made from something solid and then it's just from Ikea. You know, I gotta admit, all the previous trailers for this film have just been terrible. This trailer was actually pretty decent and it made me like, you know, slightly piqued my interest more so. Up until this trailer, I, was, I wasn't even sure if I, I really even wanted to watch this film. I feel like it gave us a why we want to see this trailer because before it was kind of like, okay, it's another Marvel film. Yeah. You feel, you feel obligated to watch it, (laughs) but they gave us the why this time they talked about, they gave us a tease of, okay, something bad's happening. And it's because of the energy from the snap that someone else is like, Hey, I can use this energy which would be huge amounts of energy to yeah. go out to do everything that they kept snapping. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they recognize the energy from the first snap, and they're like, if there's another snap, I'm going to be ready for it. And then there was two more snaps. There, there was a snap for... Hulk snapped. Yeah, and then Iron Man snapped to kill Thanos. That's right. Yeah, but I think the, I think the other snap would be even more... I don't know. I don't know, but... I love that they give a why. It, it makes me more interested in seeing it. Yeah. And they made the character, like, we got to see a little bit more of who the characters are a little bit, which was nice. All right, moving on. Kevin Feige is talking when we will see our next Avengers movie. Marvel Studios obviously has had a great run of films that have built up the Avengers team, and it all came to an epic conclusion with Avengers Endgame. They are now moving forward with phase four. And in this phase, a lot of new, cool, and interesting things are happening. There's a slew of new characters that will be introduced into the MCU. 
And it's all eventually going to lead up to a new Avengers team-up movie with a new group of characters. But this isn't going to happen anytime soon. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige was asked about the next time we will see an Avengers team-up on the big screen. And he responded, quote, I think we want there to be a reasonable amount of time from the end game to start a new sag- saga. Almost went into my Boston accent there. <laughs> a new saga, which is already underway and already started. And then you need time, as you did in phase one, to build that saga. I have to pause. I grew up in Boston. So, anyways, you have to, to build that saga before you start bringing everyone together, end quote. So there's no time frame given as to how long a reasonable amount of time is, but it's safe to say there's going to be a few years uh, in between. When we do see another Avengers film, it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be interesting to see what the team looks like. What do you think, Jekka? Oh, Jekka, did we lose you? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know, Brady. What do you think? Oh. Yeah, um, you're, you're fading I in can now. hear about half of your words. And I mean, I can hear the start of the word, but I can't hear the end. <laughs> I, I'm going to jump in here while she yeah. gets that sorted out, I think. Um, I, You know, I mean... <laughs> um, I think that... You know, moving forward, you know, to the next one, I everything we hear at this point is so premature, right? That it is all it's all just conjecture and everything. And even him talking about it, I mean, of course they're already thinking about it. You know, oh I, yeah, I uh, they've planned this for years. I, I I like the idea that he's doing a reasonable amount of time. You know, mm-hmm. using air quotes around that. I think that. Um, Honestly, I'm glad there's a big space in there because this has really given us an opportunity to kind of flesh out some of these other stories, introduce new characters and everything before we start thinking about another Avengers, um, you know, team up. So I don't know. What do you think about it, Mr. Austin? Um, I think I honestly I think it's just going to be a little weird seeing uh, uh, Falcon America as like probably the leader of the new cap uh, new Avengers team. He's not Falcon America. He's, he's Captain, Captain America. America. Yes. He's but... Captain America. He's calling Captain him, Falcon America. Calling it. So here's a, I've got a little bit of a, uh, that's like a, that kind of tweaks me a little bit. Right. And the reason I say that is because to call him Falcon America is to qualify it. Right. It does need to be qualified. He is Captain America. He can, be, Full I mean, stop. He, can, he can be Captain America, and he is Captain America. Yeah. If I say Captain America, people might not know what I'm talking about. They're just not current. Captain America. <laughs> um, moving on, Disney Plus has released an epic new trailer for Star Wars Visions. And, uh, and it looks pretty dang good. The project, Star Wars Visions, consists of nine original... Star Wars shorts, and they were created by seven 
different Japanese anime studios. Each of the shorts has a different signature tra- uh, style, and they all look stunning. The first trailer definitely, you know, kind of got a little excitement going on, but, you know, we didn't really know exactly what to expect. Well, the synopsis for this reads, Seven Japanese anime studios bring their unique talent and perspective to Star Wars Vision, a collection of animated original short films. Well, uh, as a first formal venture into anime, each Star Wars Vision short bears a unique Japanese sensibility, which in many ways aligns with the tone and spirit of Star Wars storytelling. From the beginning, stories told in the Star Wars galaxy have counted Japanese mythology and the films of uh, Akira Kurosaka among their many influences. And these new visions will further explore that cultural heritage through the unique animation style and perspective of each anime short. So Star Wars Visions is coming to Disney Plus on September 22nd. And from what it sounds like, each short is probably going to get released on that day. But anyways, let's take a look at this trailer and talk about it afterwards. Long ago, a great warrior came to this village and entrusted our ancestors with this its power and responsibility now lie with you. You've been guided by the Force since you were born. At last. The moment arrives. It's the first time I've confronted such darkness. Something ancient and sinister. We're going to be a proper family. I accept this responsibility. All I can say is that it just, it looks so amazing. And the feel of it, I, I feel so at home watching it because it, um, just watching the trailer, it, it reminds me of watching anime when I was a teenager. And I'm so excited, so excited for Visions to come out. Well, it's kind of funny because initially you were kind of knocking on it, saying like, this is going to be like the Animatrix. It's going to be terrible. The Animatrix was so disappointing and awful. And they made it be like, oh, it's going to be anime, but Matrix. And I was so pumped. And so I really lower my expectations (laughs) anytime I hear that a U.S. company is going to hire anime studios. 
But Disney looks like they're doing it right, and I'm now excited based on those trailers. Yeah, I think we'll probably watch it on the big screen. I think, it'll be, I think that's the best way to do it. Oh, it totally is. Yeah, our little at-home theater. Can yeah, you guys we'll, hear me now? Well, I don't know. What, what do the rest of you guys think of that trailer? Can you guys hear me now? Can you hear me? Any yeah, rest? we can Yay! hear you. Jessica! Yay! Okay, yes. I'm here. Yes. Can yes. you hear us? I can. Yes. <laughs> we are back in business. <laughs> Thanks, folks. Yay! I'm just wondering if this will get them okay. to move. What did you think of the Visions, the Visions trailer? Um, so I admit I was just listening to it because thanks to a busy, crazy first day of grad school, I didn't get to actually watch it. But listening to it, I mean, listening to it is pretty intense, as our listeners know. But I'm still, I, I'm definitely intrigued. I want to watch it. But I'm also wondering if this is going to bring like the Ghibli films over to Disney because they kind of like, I mean, right now the Ghibli movies are all in <laughs> HBO Max, but I'm wondering if Disney's going to lay claim to them. But I'm excited for some Star Wars anime. Okay. I think it's about time it got so, here. So, Je- um, um, just just to give you an idea of the visual, think more like Gundam Wing visual than Studio Ghibli. Ooh. <laughs> does that yes. make sense? Yes. Yes, that does. This is more like contemporary anime. Um, to, just to kind of give you that visual thought. Yeah, in that case, it'll be like what you well, said. This is going to kick me back to yeah, the good Yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that later when yeah. it comes on. <laughs> yeah. me again. <laughs> All right, moving on. Apple right. TV Plus has released the full trailer. No, nope. you're good. Apple TV Plus has released the full trailer for Isaac Asimov's Foundation. We've got another trailer to share from Apple's series adaption of Isaac Asimov's sci-fi classic Foundation. The series comes from showrunner and executive producer David S. Goyer, who's on the uh, Dark Knight trilogy. And uh, in the show, uh, when revolutionary Dr. Uh, Hari Seldon predicts the impending fall of the Empire, he and a band of loyal followers venture to the far reaches of the galaxy to establish the Foundation in an attempt to rebuild and preserve the future of civilization. Enraged by Hari's claims, the ruling... Cleons, a long line of emperor clones, fear their grasp on the galaxy may be weakening as they're forced to reckon with the potential reality of losing their legacy forever. This monumental journey chronicles the stories of four crucial individuals transcending space and time as they overcome deadly crises, shifting loyalties, and complicated relationships that will ultimately determine the fate of reality. Uh, Goyer said in a statement, Quote, in the decades since the Foundation series first saw print, Asimov's prophetic science fiction work has never been more uh, uh, relevant than it is now. Growing up, I devoured Foundation and dreamed of one day seeing it on screen, but a feature film didn't seem big enough to embrace the ambition. Thanks to the broader landscape of streaming and a valuable partnership with Apple and Skydance, we're able to bring the series to the screen in a way that truly does it justice. Foundation has always been at the top of my bucket list, and I'm honored I get to play a part in finally bringing it to life. Uh, so the first 10 uh, episodes season will premiere on September 24th. The series will launch with the first three episodes followed by one every week. Let's take a listen to the trailer and talk about it after.
was a child at the edge of the galaxy, I heard stories about a man who could forecast the future. But the story remained dark to me until many years later. Until it became my story. Until it became the only story. You're familiar with my work, psychohistory? Every mathematician has read your theory. It's not a theory. It's the future of mankind expressed in numbers. And the Empire won't like the future I predict. History is littered with charlatans and false messiahs. We should kill them. We could murder the men, but what about the movement, brother? Martyrs tend to have a long half-life. His math was right. The Empire is dying. Wars will be endless. <laughs> thousand worlds reduced to cinders. Change is frightening. Especially to those in power. But we can soften the fall. So what's the plan? Many years from now, if humanity is to climb from the ashes, the coming generations will need the knowledge to build upon a foundation. We must preserve only the most essential pieces of civilization. Deciding what is remembered, what is forgotten. We are now staring down a barrel of a crisis. This is the plan. We're not turning around now. So this has been described as like the the Lord of the Rings for sci-fi. And it's huge and gigantic. Bob, what, what did you think of the trailer? I was floored. If the if the actual show is anything like the trailer, which is about 15% of the time, all the time, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's going to be amazing. However, it does... It does, just like any other epic, highly regarded uh, book series, it has the chance that the fandom will completely bury it. So I'm, I'm hoping that they uh, they do it good enough that the fandom is appeased and the powers that be don't decide to uh, uh, don't decide to review bomb it. Mm. I haven't read the book yet. Um... You know, I was going to wait till we got closer to our book club episode for this. Um, but looking at the trailer, if the story is as good as, as as everyone says, and the production quality, I'm I'm 100% with Bob on this. If it is 50, if the production quality is 50% as good as it appears to be yeah. in that trailer, it's still going to be um, miles above uh, many other shows. It looks great. Yeah, one of the first thoughts I had after watching this trailer was, 
Yeah, you can tell they spent some money on this. I mean, they put some uh, <laughs> they put some dollars behind it. That's for sure. So, oh yeah. All right, moving on. Amazon's The Wheel of Time is giving us our best look yet and some new details on the upcoming story. So, Amazon has shared a few photos from its upcoming adaptation of the fantasy book series, The Wheel of Time giving us our first look at what we can expect from the show. We also have some new details to share. The series stars uh, Rosamund Pike, and the story is set in a high fantasy world where magic exists, but only certain women are allowed to access it. The story follows uh, Moriana Moraine. Moraine Pike, a member of a magical, shadowy, and influential all-female organization. Who Can leads- I just start <laughs> explaining it? Because this sounds terrible. No, yeah, very lengthy. Anyways, we got okay. some photos. The photo, the links yeah. to the photos are in the podcast show notes. Yeah. So basically, there are people that can cast magic, and you have to be born with that ability. Men who are born with that ability will go insane if they use it due to evil powers that tainted the male side of magic. And there, this group of women that can access magic, if they find a man who can cast magic, they kill him. And so the problem is there is prophesied a man who will be born that will be able to cleanse the male side and bring back prosperity. But if those women get to him first, they're going to kill him. And that is the fun of the Wheel of Time. Much it's better like the, explanation uh, than what they had going. It's like the opposite <laughs> sexist world of way better. Yeah, I was trying to explain it to my daughter to encourage her so, to read it today. So, what, so, so, <laughs> does that mean the females are the villains if they're going around trying to kill no. everybody? Not necessarily. No. There are some females that want to support men and find a cure. There are some women who are all about killing them, and there are factions among the Aes Sedai or the women who can cast magic and there's also women who are outside the group so let me ask you this okay so this series it comes out on amazon prime uh november sometime in november so let let me ask you this why why should we watch this when there's so many other good things to be watching why should we put our time into this so one i'm looking at the production qualities you guys were talking about two this is not going to end up like the sword of truth which was so abysmally done. Oh, it was, it looked so gorgeous and it was so terrible. Well, how do you know you haven't seen any of this yet? Um, based on the production quality that I'm looking at, and it's not produced by the same people that produce Xena and Hercules, I have a lot oh, of hope. Oh. Uh, you're funny. Based on your uh, based on your looking at this, Amanda, does Rosamund Pike? appear to be a protagonist like a villain in this movie okay so tv tv series this tv series that's what i meant so she is a protagonist she is very i've seen her in roles and she's a great actress but she's very easy to dislike okay in her roles here's the thing is that you're supposed to dislike her yes perfect casting okay (laughs) so literally you she comes into a small village and says, I'm kidnapping this kid, basically. And the kid ends up going with her. And it's this whole question, can I trust or can I not? 
All right. It, she's she saved my Don't life. Be giving us those spoilers now, Amanda. But Seriously, the books have been out long enough spoilers. that if you haven't, if you if you've been living in a hole that you have no idea the basic premise of these books, you deserve to be spoiled. Bob's talking to us from the bottom of a canyon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put that mic closer to your face, dude. Anyways, moving for moving on. Carl Weathers says he's in The Mandalorian Season 3, and it will start shooting very soon. So while Lucasfilm has been pretty quiet about The Mandalorian Season 3, actor and director Carl Weathers has confirmed that he'll be back to appear in the series and direct one of his episodes. Weathers also revealed that the creative team will start shooting next month at the volume. While speaking at a panel during Steel City Con, he said, quote, we're going to start a new season of The Mandalorian within the next month. Yeah, and I get to be in front of the camera again, and I get to direct again, end quote. So from what I understand, Lucasfilm was waiting for the Obi-Wan series to wrap up production on the Lucasfilm's volume stage, before they started shooting the Mandalorian season three. So that probably means they're done with them with Obi-Wan right now. So they're currently working uh, with limited availability with the volume uh, that's just now opened up. And so when previously talking about the third season of the series, uh, Stuntman, who, uh, who also plays the Mando, Brendan Wayne, said, quote, I think we've introduced the world in which Mando exists now. Now, uh, not that there aren't going to be new things. I'm sure I think there will be a lot uh, of a lot less introductions and a lot more uh, going back towards the first season of delving deeper into the character and things like that. Have I read one script? No. Have I heard some things? Sure. So I'm guessing. But I can tell you this. If anyone's going to be able to continue telling a story as John Favreau and risk and uh, and raising the stakes, it's John, end quote. Uh, executive producer, uh, writer, dr- director, and George Lucas Padawan, Dave Filoni, has also said, quote, there's a lot of new adventures coming up. I have to be careful. I can't really say anything specific, but I think the force will be strong with this. Let's just say that, end quote. Uh, you know, the last season set up an interesting story possibility with them, you know, as they uh, deal with the Darksaber and, you know, Grogu and Luke. I think we might be seeing more Grogu Luke training. I think I think I think we need that. I don't know. What you guys what do you guys think? I you know, I'm 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 okay with with not the Grogu Luke thing. Um I, I there's a lot of time between the end of season two and when we're gonna get to see season three. And I think that cooldown period while we're getting all this other Star Wars stuff and hopefully Obi Wan before then. Yeah. Um there's going to be a lot to feed in. And I think that while the Grogu storyline and obviously the appearance of Luke were epic, I mean, those are huge moments in, in the history of, of Star Wars. I, I think that having that distance is going to let that fade our attachment to that. And then we'll, we will get to delve more into the Mandalorian. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where this, where this series can go without that big piece, you know, baby Yoda was a, was a big focus of the Mandalorian. Right. And, you know, now you've got that out. Let's see what can happen. Is this going to take more of a, a, a book of Boba Fett flavor? Is it gun, going to follow the dark saber? How is this all going to work out? And uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's great to hear that they're about to start filming again. I don't think we've seen the last of baby Yoda. 
I'm not saying we've seen the last, but I am saying there's going to be some distance there. So if, if baby Yoda doesn't come in till later, like say season four, season five, whatever, end of season three, maybe season three finale, then, then I'm okay with that because I, I want to, I want to flesh out the story around Mando, um, a little bit. Oh yeah. All right, guys. I think it's time to hit up our main event. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? (laughs) Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that bell means it is time for our main event. The state of the future, a.k.a. where is my flying Hey, special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button. We really, really appreciate you. Please help us get the word out and tell a friend about the podcast. And I also want to invite you, if you have not done so, to hit that podcast subscribe button already. Uh, Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd XP. Nerd XP. <laughs> I was, that was a great audio check opportunity for Jekka since she's back. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so so what are what is it that we're doing tonight? Okay, so there we go. Yeah! So what so what are we doing tonight? This is what we're doing. Look, Back to the Future Two really set up some high expectations. You know, we had flying cars. We had like holograms everywhere. We had also we had self drying clothes. Where is the future that Back to the Future Two was promising us? Well, we we are going to be going over the technology that will help us get to that sci fi world. Like we're t- we're going to be talking. You know, where's these walking robots? Where's our flying cars? Where's our like you know? you know, matrix, hook our brain up into a, you know, a computer. Jack into the system. Yeah, exactly. Where's our, like, you know, starships flying faster than the speed of light? And where, you know, how come we're not living on other planets already? So we're going to be talking about, like, the real world, real world technologies of all these different things. And, you know, if you listen to last week's episode, originally we were going to talk uh, The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf. But then something came out unexpectedly. Elon Musk basically straight up said, hey, Tesla is going to start building humanoid walking robots that we're going to sell for customers. They're going to call these things Tesla bots. And even though they're not completely out yet, the fact that Elon Musk says he's going to be making them uh, and selling them is something to definitely stand, you know, you know, it gets your attention. And so, uh, so I got a little thing right here that's going to introduce this. CNET, CNET talks about uh, the announcement of the Tesla bot. So let's take a listen to this thing. Elon Musk introduced the world to the Tesla bot. Yeah, so let's talk about it. At Tesla's AI Day event, Elon Musk unveiled the Tesla bot, a humanoid robot. Here's what it looks like in all its rendered glory. It's a slim, human-like machine. The body is white with gray accents from its feet to where its collarbones would be. Then it's all black. What can it do? Take a look at this. 
They show a, they show a Tesla bot uh, human in a costume dancing around. It's actually pretty funny. <laughs> Isn't that what all of the Tesla okay. bots Elon are? Okay, Elon Musk said that what we just saw with the dancing was not real. But he did share a couple of slides showing what to expect from the Tesla bot. We'd be looking at a friendly 5'8 robot weighing only 125 pounds since it is built out of undisclosed lightweight materials. It would be able to carry 45 pounds and deadlift 150 pounds. The Tesla bot is not fast. It reaches speeds of up to 5 miles per hour. Musk joked about the bot saying you would be able to run away from it and most likely overpower it. I'm not making that up. He also said we certainly hope that this does not feature in a dystopian sci-fi movie. It will. Yes, it will. One of the goals of the Tesla bot is to eliminate dangerous, repetitive, boring tasks. There was a slide on the technical details. The head would feature a screen to provide information to whomever's looking at the bot. It would run on Tesla's full self-driving computer with an autopilot system using eight cameras to help. AI is a big part of Tesla bot, with one slide mentioning the use of neural net planning, simulation, and multi-cam video neural networks. The bot will be using all the tools that are in Tesla cars. Musk said that one of the goals of the Tesla bot is to have it do things that it was not explicitly trained to do. Telling the bot to go get your groceries or attach a bolt to something should be doable. A prototype of the Tesla bot could be a reality in 2022. All right, so why is this happening? Musk said that, quote, Tesla is arguably the world's biggest robotics company. Our cars are basically semi-sentient robots on wheels. He also explained that the robot is not specifically prompted by manufacturing needs. He also had this to say. We're just obviously making the pieces that are needed for a useful humanoid robot. Um, so I guess we probably should make it. And if we don't, someone else would, will. And so I guess we should make it and make sure it's safe. In a Q&A session, the Tesla team was asked if emotion and companionship is on the roadmap for TeslaBot. Musk answered with, I'm sure people will think of some very creative uses. The team was also asked about how important it is to maintain a humanoid form with hands that have five fingers. Musk explained that they'll start with five fingers for version one and see if it works. The bot needs to be able to do things like work with tools or carry a bag. There was also a question about the economics of the Tesla bot. If the bot is designed to take on boring, repetitive, and dangerous tasks, which can be low-paying for humans, how will Tesla build a robot to operate in that space? Musk's response was, well, I guess you'll just have to see. If you want to help develop Tesla bot, check out tesla.com. All right, we'll, we'll stop it there. All right, I'm sorry, but these things look straight out of a sci-fi take-over-the-earth type of movie. <laughs> Mitchell like, versus the machines, man. Mitchell's versus the machines. Yeah. I just these, yeah, these things, are, these things are gnarly. It is yeah. a little unnerving that, that, that one of the things they immediately factored in was if we could outrun them. <laughs> we, they don't need to outrun us if they can fly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That, that's the thing. I can't They'll imagine that it would. Figure that out. I can't. Oh, go go for a jacket and then and then Brady. I was gonna say like that'll be the thing. The Tesla bots first. They'll be like doing what they're supposed to do, helping with the repetitive, boring, dangerous tasks, getting our groceries, 
which I find weird because I don't mind getting my groceries. It's an excuse to get out of the house and go somewhere. <laughs> but that's just me. I. Um, but grocery yeah. delivery services are huge. They are growing and people are loving them. It's well, crazy. the the people that would be buying this are the people that are like ultra rich and they don't have enough time to go do that stuff anyway. So they'd be sending a Or robot. the companies that are currently paying oh, people yes. to deliver groceries. Yeah, but do you really want a robot showing up to your door? Especially this robot. Could you imagine? Okay. No, no, no. As someone who has delivered groceries, no, no. I may as well have been a robot. No, 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 no. But could you <laughs> could you imagine, like, you know, your doorbell rings, you look out the peephole of your door, and you see this thing on the other side? They don't not. They don't ring your door. They'll ring the doorbell, but they just leave it, and they run. They you you run off. Not Tesla bots. You don't know that. Nonetheless, okay. it's on the other side of your I'm door. I'm looking at the current industry. The current industry is you put it. All right. In, oh, Amazon. I'm oh, not, Amazon would want this. This, this this thing is gnarly. And uh, so so it can apparently only run about five miles, go five miles an hour. It can only carry about 45 pounds or it can deadlift 150 pounds. So now we know what Amazon's now developing. With the with the contention between Bezos and Musk, I can foresee Amazon developing a competitor robot and us getting to witness the war. <laughs> they, they already Alexa. have. It will be they already Alexa. have. It's their delivery drones. Humanoid Alexa. Yeah. No, I. <laughs> I yes, I'm, that's exactly right. Jim. I'm just. I am looking forward to this um, Android civil war. Oh my word! Yes. <laughs> Someone Wait, you're gonna have to start buying insurance for your. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to start buying insurance for your Tesla bot if it gets hit by a car or something. Oh. Okay, Lord. now I know the dystopian world that the movie sh- that the future movie featuring Tesla bots taking over should totally have Amazon bots. So you know, okay, maybe even some Apple bots too. That could be <sighs> Dude, some fun. In all reality, though, the the. the these things do look a little, they look a little unnerving and a little scary. Uh, I mean, they look, they look like, uh, I don't know, put, faceless white stormtrooper drone thingies. But, but, you know, I would, I wouldn't mind actually having one in real life. <laughs> they just need to make it look a little bit better. I don't know. With how they look, they're just people in costumes that they're pretending are robots. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that that's our robots. Let's talk about flying cars. So check this thing out. So there's all sorts of talks about flying cars. A prototype flying car has completed a test flight between two cities in uh, Slo- Slovakia, spending about 35 minutes airborne. Now, what makes this flying car stand out compared to some of the others is that this thing legitimately looks like an actual like uh high-end sports car like a ferrari or lamborghini type of thing but it just happens to have wings uh and they spent 30 spent 35 minutes in the air there is a video of this thing flying around you guys gotta you have to check this thing out it's crazy um but uh the, the the link to that video is on the show notes uh the people that made this it's called klein klein's visions air car and it flew between uh, Nitra and, and the capital of uh, Bratislava on on. Uh, is that, am I saying that right, Amanda? Bratislava. Bratislava. 
Bratislava. <laughs> anyways, they, they're calling this thing the Air Car Prototype One. It's powered by 160 horsepower BMW engine and comes equipped with a fixed propeller on the back end. It transforms like like a, an actual transformer. It transforms from an aircraft to a road car in less than three minutes. It has now completed more than 40 hours of test flight. And according to Klein Vision, it, incl- it, it includes flying at 8,200 feet. And it's reached a maximum cruising speed of 118 miles per hour. And after it landed, the aircraft the aircraft transforms back into a car. It does it by folding the wings upward and then it pivots the wings so that way it can uh, basically slide into some grooves that go along the body of the car. And then the back tail actually shrinks. So it's like a little pocket for the wings. And when the back tail tucks in, it looks like a really large um, fender on the back of like a really cool sports car. So it, it, it actually, it just looks like an oversized like like Lamborghini, basically. And so the company is currently working on a second model called the Air Car Prototype 2. It will boost a engine almost double the size with a 300 uh, horsepower engine. And, uh, and it is saying that it will be able to go uh, 186 miles an hour on a range of 621 miles. Klein's vision is currently planning on developing a three and a four-seated model of the air car. Uh, and there's actually a growing number of companies trying to make flying vehicles to include like Hyundai and Uber. But I mean, look look at this thing uh, on the road. It looks like a normal car compared to when it transforms. I don't know. What, what do you guys think of this thing? Um, I'm going to so, go over Brady's Look, flying cars are cool. You cannot deny that flying cars have just like an ultimate futuristic feel to them. I don't think they're ever going to catch on for multiple reasons, but just taking that third dimension into account. Have you seen drivers? Have you driven through a city? (laughs) Now put them in the air. (laughs) <laughs> with, with other living humans underneath them. I, I just don't see, I mean, yeah, it's cool. It's a novelty, whatever, but yeah. And then you've got the, just the logistics of the yeah. air traffic control. And, you know, you've got to have folks that I, I could see a pilot using it sure. like a, a pilot, like a sport pilot. You have a local, you have a sport license. You can fly. What is it? 90 miles from your home airport or whatever. Then you would be able to, uh, to you know, commute to and from work sure. like that, whatever, great. But yeah, it's it's not going to be mass yeah. consumption. So, Jacob, what were you going to say? Um, so I was going to say, like, of course, I'd probably not be able to comfortably ride in those because I'd be afraid of it just falling out of the sky. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's it's kind of so it's interesting that you bring all that up, Brady, because I have a friend who's currently going to school to be a pilot, and it's a four-year program mostly because she has to get all these licenses and all these tests just to be a pilot like she recently got a test she completed her like one of her tests where she could actually rent a plane and fly herself 
and she's working on the wow. next license, which is like being able to like rent a plane and take one other person with her. So there's like seven licenses that she has to do and she has two done so far. And, and yeah, I just feel like if pilots have to go through all of that, yeah, I think that they're going to need a whole lot more than just a driver's license. So I'm just going to point out that this test flight was done in Eastern Europe, where the laws are probably a lot more lax about the use of airspace than like, say, the United States or Britain. You're probably right. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, this, this car just completely blows my mind because every other flying car we've seen doesn't actually look like a car. It looks That's like, true. it looks like some sort of like, Mini you know, plane. like, well, like, a, like an airplane or it looks like an actual, like a uh, uh, helicopter with, or like a drone basically. But this thing is like legitimately a, a flying car. It's, it, it's a car with wings in the air and it looks like a like a Lamborghini with a really big spoiler on the back end. It just blows my mind. This thing is just crazy looking. <laughs> it's like the first like legitimate flying car of sorts. It's not quite back to the future level flying car, but you know what? I'll take it. It is dang cool. So <laughs> chips. Moving next one. Chips are your brains. Let's let's talk about jacking into the matrix. All right, so a brain-computer interface company is entering human clinical trials for implants in the U.S. A big step forward, getting the futuristic devices into more skulls to help <laughs> treat conditions like paralysis. The New York-based uh, Synchron, Inc. said it received permission from the Food and Drug Administration to test its device in human patients. The trial, known as an early feasibility study, is essential to grow uh, to providing the implants work safe uh, to proving the implants work safely and could one day be sold in the United States. Now, Synchron actually has beat out some other companies that are uh, trying to enter human trial phase for their uh, brain interface chips, specifically Elon Musk's Neuralink which when it was announced, it had a secured regulatory approval for testing of a commercial product in humans' heads. Commercial, quote, is another way to say practical and applicable to real life, uh, end quote, says Dr. J. Uh, Mako, the chief medical officer at Synchron and a professor of neurosurgery at Mount Sinai Health System in New York. Uh, the commercial brain com computer interfaces are a relatively new area for the FDA. The agency plans to hold a webinar uh, when it will provide further guidance on topics such as how to design appropriate clinical trials for these brain interface uh, chips. Uh, Synchron has already performed multiple tests of different varieties, including an earlier four-patient trial in Australia. There are a range, quote, there are a range of safety concerns that have, that, uh, haven't been dealt with before, including cybersecurity. What? Are you kidding oh, me? That, that's my cyber, cybersecurity. Yeah, or, they're going to execute Order 66 with your brain chips? Oh, no, 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 no. Just imagine someone hacking your brain more so oh, than um, Order 66. Like, it's complete and utter hacking and, like, digging knowledge from your brain. Well, the... Oh, Bob, you're going to say something? 
Oh, we can't hear you, Bobby. Mute. What happened? Sorry about that. Just to put this in perspective, the um, the diabetic pump, the pacemaker, the uh, defi- uh, the defibrillator, all these devices have been hacked. Oh, really? Yes. You're talking every just about every medical device out there. You have uh, white hat, gray hat, and black hat actors all going after these things. So you can, I can guarantee you, if if we had some kind of a brain implant, either they're giving overlays or uh, jacking us into the internet or whatever, I can guarantee you that somebody is going to try and take advantage of that. You're going to try to hack into your brain? Yes. Oh, I can't. Um, yeah. What? Okay, so it, this is like Shadowrun. Oh, my goodness. Did you ever play Shadowrun? No. If it has an IP address, they will try and get into it. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Okay. So Shadowrun is a futuristic game like Dungeons & Dragons, except one of the things you can do is get – an enhancement where you can jack yourself into the internet and you're a brain hacker because you get the chip and then you can hack more advanced in the game. Mm-hmm. And that's immediately when they started talking about these chips. I didn't think of it, like the matrix. I instantly thought shadow run because that was one of the things you could be was a hack, a brain hacker. Sheesh, oh my. You can store your cred stick on it. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know, Jekka, what do you think of this? Would, would, would you want a chip in your brain? No. <laughs> it's bad enough having a cell phone. I don't want that stuff in ah. my head. Plus, anyone that wants to hack into my brain, I think they would be sorely disappointed. They would just have random story <laughs> ideas going around, and if anything, it'd probably be like, oh, I'll take this story idea and like, publish it before <laughs> she does, it's... and then I'm like, I can't publish it because it was published. And Yeah, but... Talk yeah, about but, plagiarism but Jekka, on a whole new level. <laughs> it, it's not about that. It's it's about passwords. Yeah, yeah, and but, stealing oh, yeah. personal data. But but Jekka, you got to think about this. What do they do in the Matrix? They just basically, you know, if you wanted to learn something, you just uploaded it and you learned it. You'd have your entire masters in like a, you know an hour of downloads. Yeah, That'd be but crazy. I, like the, I, I don't know. I'd rather go through the pain of it. Then do a chip and upload it. <laughs> you almost sold her. You almost. I think you almost. could get her on the next round. <laughs> no, no. I'm oh, sorry. crazy. I am no on that still. <laughs> Wait until right before finals. We'll get you before finals. <laughs> Bring it. Well, I think they're. I think they're trying to use this as a medical device to like, like they talked about earlier, uh, help cure paralysis and things like that. Brady, did you want to say something? Yeah, I think. I think you're on the right track. I'm going to be an outlier here and say I'm a big proponent of this. Um, of course, I couldn't hear Jekka, so she may have been too. But <laughs> my point is, you know, so private companies developing this stuff are going to drive innovation. And I think that these type of interfaces are going – there are obvious security risks. I mean, it, there's no doubt about that. But at the same time, I think that these are the types – of this development and these types of innovations are going to be what a key to curing a lot of neurological um, problems. I, you know, I just, this excites me. 
this kind of stuff really makes me think, okay, if someone's paralyzed, then maybe they can walk again. You know, if someone has another neurological disorder, then this is the direction it's, it's going to have to take. This is how robot from invincible controlled his robots. This is how we're going to control our Tesla bots in the future. So, <laughs> maybe so. that's a maybe that's DLC. Maybe that's something you can add on. That's a feature. Uh, <laughs> so, funny. Brady, I, I I'm with you in that I'm not against them. I honestly, I, there's no sense fighting the future. This is going to happen, and it's how is how are we going to culturally shift with this coming in? Yes, it will be a medical device at first, but it is going to become something more straight mainstream in the future. Yeah. That's just kind of what it's going to happen. Yeah, and I'm 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 okay with that. Yeah. I personally wouldn't opt to get to get one, but you know, if someone else chooses to for whatever reason, that's a that's a risk they're going to assume. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, it really depends on the application of, of it. Honestly, in a lot of ways, I could see virtual reality happening with these chips, kind of like in Shadowrun. Okay, I will get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I could see Ready Player One type stuff happening with people jacking themselves in because you uh, can do a lot more with virtual reality by plugging yourself in. Uh, very interesting. It's still a ways off, though, to get to that level. <laughs> but moving on, check us out. We want to travel to other planets and cruise the solar system and galaxy like in Star Wars and Star Trek. So we need to travel faster than light. So where are we in that? Well, this is so cool. <laughs> in a recent study, physicist Dr. Eric Lentz outlined a way that a rocket could theoretically travel faster than light or over 186,000 miles per second. At that speed, astronauts could reach other star systems in just a few years, allowing humanity to colonize far away planets. So current rocket technology would take roughly 6,300 years to reach Proxima Centauri, the closest star to our sun. So-called warp drives have been proposed before, but often rely on theoretical systems that break the laws of physics. That's because according to Einstein's general theory of relativity, it's physically impossible for anything to travel faster than the speed of light. Well, Dr. Lentz, a scientist at uh, Göttingen University in Germany, says his imaginary warp drive would operate within the boundaries of physics while other theories rely on exotic concepts such as negative energy, his gets around this problem using a new theoretical particle. These hyperfast solients can travel at any speed while obeying the law of physics, according to Gottingen University press release. A solient... Soliton. Soliton also referred to as a warp bubble, is a compact wave that acts like a particle while maintaining its shape and moving at constant constant velocity. Dr. Lentz said he could he cooked up this theory after analyzing existing research and discovered gaps in previous warp drive studies. He believes that solitants could travel faster than light and create a conducting plasma in classical electromagnetic fields. Both of these concepts are understood 
uh, under conventional physics and obey Einstein's theory of relativity. While his warp drive provides the tantalizing possibility of faster than light travel, it's still very much in the idea phase for now. The contraption would require an enormous amount of energy that isn't possible using modern technology. Quote, the energy savings would need to be drastic of approximately 30 orders of magnitude to be in the range of modern <laughs> nuclear fission reactors, uh, Dr. Lentz said. Fortunately, several energy-saving mechanisms have been proposed in earlier research that could potentially lower the energy requirements by nearly 60 orders of magnitude. The physicist said he would now focus his efforts on cooking up a workable version of the technology. Quote, this work has been, uh, this work has moved the problem of faster than light uh, travel one step away from theoretical research in fundamental physics and closer to engineering, Dr. Lentz said. The next step is to figure out how to bring down the astronomical amount of energy needed to uh, within the range of today's technology, such as a large modern nuclear fission power plant. Then we can talk about building the first prototypes, end quote. All right, faster than the speed of light. What do you guys think? Brady? I think it's a bold claim to say you can outthink Einstein. <laughs> He's not outthinking Einstein. A lot of others have out tried to outthink Einstein. He's saying this would work within Einstein's parameters. I mean, this is – look, this is this is the golden chalice, right? You know, yeah, it You is. can get this. You know, that really opens up a lot um, for our future. Not anything I'll see in my lifetime. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's absolutely exciting, man. Can you imagine? I mean, just the chart that they showed in that article – where it showed the distance. And, and yeah. I think one was like thousands of years. One was a couple of hundred years. And one's like, what was it like? Like four. four. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, it, it, it's hard to fathom that much of a, of a, of a difference, but you know, that's doable. You know, the, that opens the doorway, you know, it's doable in the future. It's not doable now, but I mean, can you imagine yeah. that? That's just phenomenal. So just remember, if his if his work starts advancing quickly, we then get to question whether he's working with aliens. Yeah. All right, Bob. <laughs> that is true. Bob, what do you think of this? I think there have been a lot of approaches. Uh, this is the more of this lends itself to more of the novel side of approaches that I've seen lately. Um. If we were to even reach the speed of light, we still have the limitation of time. Sure. The distances between stars does not mean that it's going to, it does mean that it would, traveling at the speed of light, it would take us, say, five years to hit the nearest star. But in that time, um, but getting anywhere beyond that gets increasingly more difficult. Not only that, just being able to, I mean, you just being able to travel that fast means very little if you can't guarantee the, uh, the operability of the spacecraft. I mean, you're talking about not having anywhere to stop for fuel, not having anywhere to stop for repairs, for repairs. So 
you send somebody out of the solar system on a rocket or on a uh, on a spaceship like that, and you have no guarantee that they're going to get there. We need to get to the point where we stop building things to break. We need to start looking forward and start building things so they can they can incorporate this technology, but they can also uh, be repaired and be repaired with parts that are already on board. Ooh, yeah. So we're talking, we're talking circuit boards that are multi-purpose. We're talking um, standardized elements throughout the ship, and standardization is quite frankly the enemy of capitalism. And um, it runs- I was also going to say it's the enemy of. Um- the, the oligarchy that runs our government. <laughs> but I'm saying like government, the government has multiple companies in different states mm-hmm. make the components and they are almost never in sync. Exactly. And that, these are the hurdles that we actually have to overcome. I mean, getting to the speed of light is one thing. I mean, that's a huge hurdle, but we need to come much farther as a species before we're even, we can even think <laughs> of introducing of, ourselves to others. <laughs> yeah. Right. Can you imagine telling them right now? Uncle Bob, hey. put your pants back on. We got company <laughs> from another world. <laughs> wow. So that's my 50 yeah. cents. Jekyll, what do you think? Um, it's funny you say that, Bob, because I was actually just thinking of Armada. <laughs> um Armada by Ernest Klein oh, yeah. and how like there was the whole test they underwent to see how they would handle a first encounter and they failed you know it's just like yeah if we're going to try exploring other worlds and if we did encounter other life whether it's sentient or not like you know yeah we'd have we have to come much further as a species but I want to say this as well I I recently read a book called um, Nobel Prize Women in Science. And the one thing that was like Mm -hmm. very common throughout it was these major breakthroughs in physics all started with like theorizing and playing around just like Dr. Lentz has been, where he's like, hey, like there's studies found of these solitons and what if they did this and kind of like working out the math and the math is panning out this way. And then the next stage is to test it and to do those experiments. Um, so it's kind of cool to see, at least to me, I'm like, I find this really cool to see how we're in that theorizing phase in, but it's going to take a lot of technology and corporate cooperation, I think, between governments and scientists to get to that next experimental yeah. stage. So all I'm going to say is his work could be monumental in energy development. Yes. Oh, big time. Absolutely. Like that's. First thing that would advance nuclear technology dramatically, his work could really make it amazing. Because the other thing they would have to do is they'd have to work with a breeder reactor because where are you going to put the nuclear waste to power the ship? That's true. And a breeder reactor will reuse reuse the, um, the used uranium. And if we could get this type of technology working here on Earth, that could reduce nuclear waste dramatically. And with his techno- with, with advancing nuclear technology, like clean energy would be so much more widely available. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Brady? Yeah, so you talked about reducing nuclear waste, and this, is a, this veers a little bit off, but 
there are uh, nuclear power plants that have been developed. Um, they haven't been built yet, and there's a reason mm-hmm. for that. But but they function off of the um, depleted uranium, I believe, from mm-hmm. current from current plants. Nice. And there's so enough cool. of that right now to power the Earth for like 250 mm-hmm. years if we use those new plants. Those new plants, however, were supposed to be built in China about four or five years ago, but there was an individual who squashed trade China during that time. I'd say three or four years ago. And those were a casualty of that trade. So now oh. we don't have, cause, cause our current nuclear technology is all based in the sixties and seventies for the, for mm-hmm. the power plants, but the new plants would operate off of that. Anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent, but yeah, you're right on all of the other for the, for the future of power and, and energy generation. This could be monumental. Yeah. Indeed. All right, moving on. So if we're traveling faster than light, then obviously we're going to be living on another planet. So where are we in that process? Well, uh, as NASA prepares for its next giant leap, meaning astronauts on Mars, technology developed by a 3D printing company called Icon is uh, constructing and designing a habitation unit that will help the space agency better understand how people may be able to live on Mars in the future. Uh, In short, the company is building a 3D printed Mars building and home structure. Uh, And they're doing this currently at the NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston for a series of missions designed to simulate what life could look like for astronauts living on Mars. And once completed, crews will stay in the structure at the Houston Space Center for one-year stints designed to mimic living conditions on Mars. The Mars Simulation Project is part of NASA's Crew's Health and Performance Exploration Analog, and it's designed to mimic life on the surface of Mars to determine what a real mission there would require. Crews that participate in the simulation will live in one of these 1,700-square-foot structures. They're calling these these. 3D printed building homes. They're actually calling them Mars Dune Alpha. And the project is the most realistically simulated habitat ever made by humans for for living on Mars. Quote, we wanted to develop the most faithful analog possible to aid in humanity's dream to expand into the stars. 3D printing the habitat has further illustrated to us what... uh, has has further illustrated to us that construction scale 3D printing is an essential part of humanity's toolkit on Earth and to go to the moon and Mars to stay, end quote. Uh, Once completed, the structure will have four private rooms on one end, work and medical stations on another end, a shared living space, and a food growing area. Mars Dune Alpha will also feature movable furniture, customizable lighting and temperature, and sound controls, all aimed at ensuring that the habitat fits daily routines uh, and circadian rhythms and helps maintain the well-being of the crew. Data gathered from the project will help inform NASA's standards for long-duration missions and could lay the foundation for future trips to Mars and living on the Red Planet. Man, what do you guys think of this? Like, this is like a crazy looking 3D printed building. Brady? Yeah, so they're based in Austin. And if any 
everybody knows what it's like to live on another planet. It's residents of Austin. <laughs> That's really all I got. No, I mean, this is a great idea, right? 3D printing. I mean, that's great. If they could drop something up there, it can autonomously build this thing. They can control it. They can condition the oh, environment yeah. and then send, you know, humans there. Um, that's great. But, um, yeah, I think that's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, that, 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 think, that makes the most sense. Send, send some robots up there to 3D print the structures so that way when the astronauts get there, they can immediately go to bed and unpack their bags. That's the way to do it. That would be awesome. Yeah. Jackie, what do you think of this? I'm I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, there's so <laughs> many thoughts. Like, I don't know how to articulate them. But yeah, like, um, yeah. I, you know, like, obviously, it's like, I wonder how they're going to able to simulate it in zero, like, you know, a vacuum or like a different atmosphere because yeah. obviously that's a huge concern but yeah it's like looking at the layout of this like that looks cozy like it does <laughs> i mean 1700 square feet like i mean it's 17 yeah. square feet right I'm, i i read that yes yeah, yeah 1700 square like, feet that's a good size that's that's a, like comfortable it's, apartment space yeah kind of thing you know it is like that looks cozy, and I, I just like the, yeah, idea the, of the recreation room. I can just see them sitting there, like <laughs> playing video games or something. <laughs> so, so um, the the links to all these articles uh, will be in the podcast show notes for everything that we've done so far. But in this one specifically, they actually show the the blueprint uh, of what these. Um, uh, the, the floor plans for for what Mars Dune Alpha is going to look like, and and yeah, I mean it does look it looks cozy they got like they got two uh bathrooms and showers and they've got a, a like a little fitness gym area in there and the a little 3d room, printed yeah and the work yeah. room is big like that's nice and there's like a door next to the work room they have a change room like, uh-huh. yeah i mean it looks cozy like that looks cozy <laughs> the only thing on here that i don't see and i think they're going to need and I know this from watching uh, For All Mankind on uh, Apple TV Plus, which is a great TV show about people living on, you know, the moon and whatnot. Uh, they need a deep depressurization uh, chamber. It's the change room. I don't know if it is the change room. That change room has a door out. <sighs> no, it would have to have I mean, a depressurization in order to work. Yeah. Yeah. I I think just for this, they're doing. Uh, you know they don't need one for for the practice on on Earth. Brady, what do you want to say, bud? Oh, um, I I just didn't want to talk over Jekka. Um, the uh, wasn't there already uh, a habitat made for? It seems like there was. I, I watched a documentary on a group that lived in a habitat uh, that was supposed yeah. to replicate living on Mars not too long ago. Yeah, they, they this isn't the first one. They they've done this before, but. I think what um, what makes this different is that I think this is like uh, leg- legitimately a structure that they would try to build on Mars, and now they're okay. now they're testing people living in this specific type of structure to see how it works. Beforehand, I think it was just you know they were you know just theoretical, yeah, theoretical yeah. type of stuff. Well, you know they can three D print houses now. Why not this? Yeah, a Mars structure. 
Yeah. I don't know, Bob, what, what do you think? Would you want to live in a 3D printed house <laughs> or on Mars? I don't think I'd want to live on Mars. It's a bit far from the, uh, from the micro center, <laughs> but, um, 3D printed house, as long as it has the proper rooms, I don't think I'd have a problem with it. The the thing that kind of stood out to me is the uh, there's a picture of whatever this goo is that's coming out of the nozzle, and it's it's pretty thick. Like it's not like what I traditionally think of 3D printed items. Like like each thing is like a good like three inch glob of mud mud brick stuff. <laughs> I don't even know what that would be. It does look uh, like those crazy. Adobe houses. Like, yeah, yes. like an Adobe house. It does look like that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, anyways, uh, so how close are we to, to living in a sci-fi world? Well, I think we might have robots and a brain interface chip sooner than everything else. Flying cars, probably not. Faster than light, probably not. Living on another planet, probably not quite yet. But we've made some significant improvements with brain chips and uh, robots. <laughs> so a- anything anything else anybody wants to say before we wrap up tonight? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> I'm still waiting for my hoverboard. I mean, you talked about oh. that in the future too. Like, where's my hoverboard? I yes, want my hoverboard. a legit hoverboard. People that claim their hoverboards that's not a hoverboard that is a automatic unicycle like i'm talking yeah. hoverboard here where's yes. my hoverboard i want that yes indeed yeah we need that well folks thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of super nerd podcast uh please hit that podcast subscribe button and, and review us uh, wherever you're listening to us, subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, or wherever else you find us. Next week, we're going to be hitting that rewind button on some James Bond. We're going to be watching Spectre, the James Bond film Spectre, in preparation. Quick. Being grumpy over there. We're going to be watching James Bond Spectre in preparation for James Bond's No Time to Die, which is going to be coming out in roughly a little over a month. So make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on Spectre at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast. You just might be on the upcoming show. You can also email us your thoughts to supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. But from all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Catch you later. See you later. Bye. Hey, we are now at the spanking level. Get to bed or get spanked.
flying car. I want this two-bit Dodge, the hell out of my garage. Hitch my station wagon to a star. I want my flying car. They told us we'd have robots and portable fusion on our bodies so we wouldn't stay dead. But I have to doubt cause it didn't come out the way Mr. Asimov said. My coffee brews itself every morning. My shower cleans itself every night. But twice a day I'm caught in a traffic knot. I'm growing older at every red light. I want my flying car. I want my flying car. You know it just ain't fair, I wanna hit the air Bid the street life au revoir I want my flying car I want my flying car If I make a mistake, I can use my air brake Or grab a phone line with a spar I want my flying car Waiting and hating and jerks tailgating when I'm levitating over the town. Parking fees wouldn't matter. I drop a rope ladder overside and climb right down. No barrels or cones or construction zones. No blasting radios in the next lane. I'd put on a Stetson and make like George Jetson. If I've got a flying car, I can get a girl like Jane. I never worry about signs or signals Cause who's gonna take me to jail? Wait, what's that siren? Is someone else flying? I got pigs on the wing on my tail Up in my flying car I want my flying car Why stay on the ground when you can drive around In a Chevrolet shooting star? I want my flying car I want my flying car well, I don't care how, cause I'm ready now. The future can't be that far. I want my flying car. <laughs>